Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. Brand new Flyers Daily for the 27th of February, 2024. Flyers Daily, as always, presented by Ticketmaster. Make more memories live. Flyers will play their final game of the month of February here in 2024 tonight at home against the Tampa Bay Lightning and Nikita Kucherov. We remember that game that the Flyers played against the Lightning a few weeks back. Matter of fact, that game was uh, on, as I look at my trusty schedule here, back on January 23rd. It did not go well for the Philadelphia Flyers. That was in the middle of the five-game skid that the Flyers in. They won five straight, then they lost five straight, and that game was right in the middle of that five-game skid against Tampa on January 23rd. And we remember the performance that Nikita Kucherov in particular had in that game. He was just dynamic and unbelievable. He leads the NHL in points right now. Kucherov had one, two, three goals, and he had, let's see, uh, two assists as well. Not a bad, or one assist. So three goals and an assist, four points in that game against the Flyers. It was a 6-3 win for Tampa uh, on that date back on January 23rd. But tonight, Flyers look to exact a little revenge against Tampa. And Tampa's a team that's really kind of had a up-and-down kind of season. The odd part about it is you look at Tampa, you look at the fact that Nikucherov leads the NHL in points. He's got 102 points in 59 games, 38 goals, 64 assists, plus four on the year, point per game, uh, per game played, 1.73, and he's just been all over it. Leads the NHL. Uh, second close to, closest to him in points is Nathan McKinnon, who's got 96 points. Also in 59 games, McDavid, 89 points in 53 games, Pasternak with 82, and Artemi Panarin's uh, the fifth-ranked guy, 79 points right now in 59 games. But when you look at the points percentage, despite the fact that they got a guy that's leading the NHL, probably if they make the playoffs, it's going to be definitely a finalist for the Hart Trophy. But you look at the team's points percentage, and it's just a tick higher than the Flyers. They're 14th in the NHL at .575 points percentage to the Flyers, .568. So these teams kind of neck and neck right now. If the Flyers win tonight, they'll move ahead of them in points percentage. They're in the fourth spot in the Atlantic Division of the Eastern Conference. So it's been a kind of really up-and-down year. Now, they started the year without Vasilevsky, and that obviously hurts. That That's a big element. Tampa, like I said, or excuse me, the fifth spot, it's Boston, Florida, Toronto, Detroit now up by a point with two games in hand on Tampa, and Tampa with 69 points in 60 games. Flyers sitting in the third spot in the Metro uh, through 59 games, uh, 67 points, and uh, a record of 30-22-7. and seven. Flyers are 5-4-1 and one in their last 10, plus two in goal differential. Lost their last two games, both this past weekend, 2-1 to the Rangers and 7-6 to the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins. And Tampa is 5-5 five and five in their last 10, but won their last two games. Now, it is not just Nikita Kucherov when you look at this team. They've got Braden Point, who's also got 62 points in 60 games. They've got Victor Hedman on the blue line, more than a point per game player. He's 59 points in 58 games. Brandon Hagel's having a really good season, very close to a point per game player, 58 points in 60 games. But a little bit of drop off for Stamkos, 50 points in 57 games, 23 of them goals, 12 on the power play. Uh, but this Tampa team, and then the goaltending of Andre Vasilevsky, and i got to assume it's going to be Vasilevsky tonight. 
because uh, Jonas Johansson went in the last game. Vasilevsky now on the season, 34 games, uh, 2014 and 0 record, 295 goals against average, not great, and an 897 save percentage, well below his numbers. Now, Tampa does uh, score a ton of goals, um, and we'll talk about the power play in just a second, uh, but they do score a lot of goals in the NHL. Uh, I think, what, you look at uh, a team that scores over three, close to three and a half goals per game, 3.4, that's what Tampa scores, seventh in the league. But they give up 3.35, which is the the ninth most goals allowed per game played. When you look at the power play, and this is going to be absolutely key tonight. The key matchup within the matchup in this game tonight is the Tampa power play against the Flyers penalty kill. It's a matchup you don't want to see. Tampa's power play leads the league. It's actually tied for the league lead with Toronto at 29.3%. 293 It's a huge number. And uh, that, that's a big reason why their offensive numbers are as high as they are overall. The Flyers' penalty kill, second in the NHL, 86.1%, and leads the league with 14 shorthanded goals. But you go, okay, Flyers' strength is PK, and their strength is power play. Let's have those two things collide. I'd rather they not collide at all. And I'm sure John Tortorella is thinking the same thing. You just don't even want that uh, to come into play in this game. You've got to move your feet against Tampa. Uh, you've got to put yourself so you're not reaching. And they're such a different team with a super skilled elite player in Kucherov than a team like Edmonton is with McDavid or Colorado is with McKinnon. Those guys want to fly up and down the ice, beat you with their speed and power. That is not Nikita Kucherov. He wants to slow the game down. He wants to lull you to sleep, and then he can quick twitch you to death with his vision, his hands, just buttery soft hands. It's unbelievable. Um, different type of superstar, uh, but a superstar nonetheless. And that's going to be a very key element tonight. I, without a doubt in my mind, it'll be Sam Arison tonight versus Vasilevsky. And uh, Arison will look to uh, give the Pliers some really good goaltending. Uh, we're going to kind of meander in a couple different directions now. That's the game tonight. We'll break that down tomorrow. We don't need to go into tons of stuff on the matchup tonight. Flyers need a win. They need points in the standings. It's tight with the Devils right now. Flyers are five points up. Devils have one game in hand. Flyers in that third spot in the Metro. Uh, but this is going to be difficult because as you come down the stretch, you're going to need goaltending. I know a lot of people earlier in the year when Hart and Arison were both playing well, oh, trade Carter Hart, make Sam Arison the starter. This is, this is why I rebuffed that so much. Trade him for a haul. Now, we obviously know that's not feasible, possible, or going to happen now, but that's why I said you don't trade from a strength. When you have two goaltenders that are playing great, you need two goaltenders, and we're about to see that very, very prominently coming up in the next calendar month of March. There's 15 games in 30 days. There are back-to-backs. There are four and six. There are three and four. It is a very busy month of hockey, and you cannot play Sam Harrison into the concrete. He can't play all 15 games. He can't play 13 of the games. I think the number you might be able to get away with, 11, 10, maybe, but you're not going to get away with anything north of that because if you drill a goalie into exhaustion, you will not get him back the rest of the year. Then you'll have nothing. So you can't do that. You cannot 
get the goalie to exhaustion because it's too hard for that position to recover once you get it all the way to a point of sheer exhaustion. So that that's going to be key. So a lot of the talking points I saw on social media after the 7-6 loss against the Pittsburgh Penguins, it obviously was not a good game for Cal Peterson. The two short side goals on dead angle shots that beat him short side were killers. Some of the other stuff I'd be willing to forgive because they're deflected and those, okay. Uh, but it was not a good performance. And it has people saying, well, the Flyers, you know, how is this going to change their uh, their outlook at the trade deadline with Jamie Drysdale hurt? How long is TK out for? Is he going to be back tonight? You know, with the injuries and wrist aligning out, I don't know that the trade deadline changes. But some people are saying, and I got some tweets to this effect saying, well, the Flyers, if they want to see this thing through to the playoffs, they got to go out and they got to trade for a goalie. Now, I don't agree with that. And you and you guys all know how much I value that position. I value it as much as anyone. And the, the amount of impact good goaltending has on a team is just incredible. It's so high. Like Track Rat 1833 said, Jason Mert, do the Flyers shift from, from trade deadline attention to now to the goalie market? I know Peterson isn't getting much play, but his showing against the Pens doesn't exactly instill confidence down the stretch. But I am not trading for a goaltender. If a veteran goaltender gets put on waivers, I do look at it. Now, you can go, well, just call up Felix Sandstrom. He's got to be better. He hasn't been performing very well either with the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. So you may just be changing the nameplate. If you're going to upgrade that backup position of goaltending, maybe a guy like Martin Jones. And I don't think Martin Jones is fantastic. I don't. He's a veteran goaltender that I think could come and help the Flyers. I think he's had some decent performances this year. His best days are behind him, but he is a veteran goaltender, went to a cup final. He's a guy that could come in. The Toronto Maple Leafs just activated just a or wall, so maybe they put him on waivers, and that could be an option. Or you watch the waiver wire. And you see if uh, an anti-Ronta goes on waivers again or something like that. You're not going to pick up a guy that's got contract beyond this year. But if one of those guys like Martin Jones goes on the market, I would be up for doing that. But I am not giving up a single asset to try and rebolster the goaltending. Not in a trade, nothing. Not a prospect, not a draft pick, nothing. I'm not doing that. I mean, if you're going to go like a seventh-round pick, and maybe, but... That would be about the extent I would go. So I am not for that. And for me to say that, that you know, I'm pretty dug in on it because of how important I think the position is. Somebody's going to have to be in there and share the crease. And whether that's uh, a guy uh, like Cal Peterson, whether that's Felix Sandstrom, or that's a guy like Martin Jones or someone else, um, they're going to have to give them quality starts. And if they don't get enough quality starts, then they're going to be in trouble to make the playoffs. They will be. The only saving grace they would have is that the teams below them in the division aren't very good either and don't have much goaltending as well, like the Devils or the Caps. Penguins ha- have been good defensively and gotten goaltending this year. But the, the other element of it is this, which makes it difficult, is that when a team in hockey, in the NHL, doesn't have goaltending, it's got confidence in or rely on, sometimes it changes the way the team plays in front of the goalie. Now, you hear Torch say a lot, safe is death. And I totally agree. You have to incur risk in the NHL to to get, reap reward. And 
you need you can do that when you've got a guy back there that when you incur the risk and it doesn't work, you know he's going to bail you out. He's going to make big saves. You're going to get really goaltend, good goaltending performances. When you not when you don't feel like you're going to get that, you become safe because you're afraid to make a mistake because when you make a mistake, you're pulling it out of the back of your net. So that's the one big fear that I have. A team that plays high-flying in transition like the Flyers, they take on risk when they play that way and stretch the ice and fly in the zone and pinch down the walls in, in the offensive zone on the forecheck and all those things. And you can do that when you have confidence on that guy back there. But if you don't have the confidence when Erson's not playing, then can you still play that way? And that's the only way that they can play and be effective. It's the only way they can drive enough offense and be effective. So that's one thing that I am scared of, but I do not go into the trade market uh, for a goaltender. Somebody's going to have to step up, or it is going to end up being a a, a fatal flaw of this team uh, now that Hart is not here any longer. So uh, it, it's a serious matter, and we'll see how they handle it, and we'll see, again, if a guy like Martin Jones were to go on waivers. Um, so we'll see how that plays out. Um, real quick, I want to get back to Nikita Kucherov here. I'm meandering a little all over the place. This, this is going to be like a therapy episode for me. I want to get a few things out. So I talked about Kucherov. He's leading the NHL this season with 102 points. He's been phenomenal. 30, or in 59 games, 38 goals, 64 assists, 102 points on the year. And like I said, he is up six points on Nathan McKinnon, who is in the second spot. Now, over the last seven seasons, this is when Nikita Kucherov first became a point-per-game player. That was in 2016-17. And, and I want to bring this up because this may be a similar type arc for Matt Vemichkov. So... Kucherov comes over at 20 years of age in the 13-14 season. He plays in 52 games that year. I think that was a lockout-shortened season. He had nine goals, nine assists, 18 points in 52 games. I don't think anybody was going, oh, my God, look at this guy. He's fantastic. So the next season, his first full NHL season, 14-15, in 82 games, 29 goals, real impressive, 36 assists, 65 points, and a plus 38, by the way, in year two. Actually got some selkie. Uh, real deep down sulky love. Uh, then in 15-16, 77 games and 66 points. So he still hasn't had a point-per-game season. Then in 16-17, his first point-per-game-plus uh, season, 74 games, 85 points, 40 of them goals. Next year, 17-18, 80 games, 100 points, 39 of them goals. The next year, a career high, 82 games, 41 goals, 87 assists, buck 28. That's 18-19. 19-20, season gets cut short, but in 68 games, 85 goal, eighty-five points. Next year, 56-game season, 25 goals, 44 assists, and 69 points in 47 games. 113 points last year in 82 games, 30 of them goals. And this year, in 59 games, he's got 38 goals, 64 assists, 102 points. So 492 games played since he became a point-per-game player, and he's got 682 points. I mean, what an absolute animal, right? That's unbelievable numbers. Now, over those same seven years, by the way, he's won two cups, went to another. Over those same seven years, this is going to blow your mind. Again, Kucherov over those seven years played 492 games. Over those same seven years, Connor McDavid has played 495 games, so three more games. Now, Kucherov, as I mentioned, has in that period of time, a total of 246 goals. Connor McDavid's got 278. 
difference, not a huge difference, but different. Nikita Kucherov over those 492 games has 436 assists. McDavid's got 513 assists. Kucherov, the total points over that, 682. 791 points for Connor McDavid. That is absolutely bonkers. He's got 111 more points and only three more games played. Think about that. That's how insane the numbers are of Connor McDavid. Nikita Kucherov, superstar in the league. Not generational, superstar. Connor McDavid, generational. Big difference? Two cups for Nikita Kucherov, none for Connor McDavid. Now, it's a team sport. That's part of it. So let's look at another guy, Austin Matthews. Again, I know people love to throw around that term of generational. First overall pick in the 2016 NHL entry draft. It goes to Toronto. Over his last seven years, 455 games. 311 goals, which is a huge number, but only 239 assists. 550 points. So less games played and way less points. And think about how we view him. He is a star in today's game. And I think sometimes when you score goals, that has a more of a lasting impact of stardom than a guy who sets up plays. I think that's true. Obviously, we know about the playoff struggles of both Matthews and the Leafs. But I thought it would be interesting to compare those three star players and kind of put them uh, and look at the, the numbers, the raw numbers. I mean, Matthews, 455 games. McDavid, 495. So he's played 40 more games, but he's got over 225 points more than Austin Matthews in that small difference of games, 45. It's just absolutely insane when you look at a guy like uh, like Connor McDavid and the numbers he has put up in the NHL. Just mind-blowing. Um, all right, one last thing. Let's hop to another lily pad. One of the things that we saw this weekend was obviously on Saturday against the Rangers, Nick Delarier and Matt Rempe fight. And it was an all-time throwback, old school. Each guy threw 20 punches. Each guy landed punches. And it was a good, a good hockey fight, old school hockey fight. Then on Sunday, Matt Rempe was back in action, and he had another big-time scrap. Just bit with Matthew Olivier, uh, just just an unbelievable, another old-school fight. And I had a guy hit me up on Twitter and say that, hey, I liked the fight, but I hated the staged element of it. And, like, I agree. I don't like the staged fight either. You know, the apparently Delarier and Rempe discussed it in, during the pregame warm-up. We're going to go. We're going to do this. And they end up dropping the gloves. There's obviously no history there. Those two haven't played against each other. You're the big new tough guy in the NHL. I'm the old school tough guy. It's been here a while. And Delarier, and they go and they have that fight. And then you look at a guy like Matthew Olivier. He's like, all right, well, Columbus, I got to get a piece of this guy now too. And there's this initiation process that takes place for the new young tough guy, 6'8", 250-pound kid. Um, and I don't like the staged aspect of it. I don't like that guys have to fight after delivering a clean hit. A dirty hit, if there's a fight, like that, that's organic. I get that. You should not have to defend yourself or get jumped for a good, clean, open-ace check. Like, I think that's silly. So, now that being said, 
and I enjoyed the fights, but there is a tipping point. With what we do know about head injuries and CTE, and I'm not one of those guys that's, they need to take fighting completely out of the game. It's, it, it's caused a lot of guys a lot of issues. We know that. So we're reaching the tipping point here with Matt Rempe. He cannot go through the rest of the games that he plays in for the Rangers this year and fighting in three of every five games and fighting an absolute heavyweight in each one of them. First of all, and I heard Fridge and Jeff Merrick talking about this, Fridge on 32 Thoughts, he doesn't know how to defend himself yet. He is huge and strong and all that. But we're reaching a point here that is a little uncomfortable. And, I mean, the kids played in five NHL games, and he's taken on Nick Delarier, Matthew Olivier, and Matt Matt Martin. Like, you can't do that. There's got to be some guardrails put up here. And I know that every tough guy wants a shot at him now because he's the new rage that comes into the league for a team like the Rangers and, and all of that. And he doesn't want to turn anybody down because he's the new guy. And back in the day, you know, when Bob Probert was the king of the NHL tough guys and Troy Crowder came in with the New Jersey Devils, there was an initiation process. You had to go. You had to prove yourself against the toughest guys in the league. But with what we know now, I think we're going beyond that tipping point. I don't want to see this kid come into the league and have to drop the gloves with a heavyweight everywhere he goes and his brain is oatmeal. I don't think that's right. Again, if they happen organically, and I feel bad because I, lo- I loved the fight with Delarier. It was entertaining as hell. But they can't keep go- doing this. You can't. If you want to call me soft for having that opinion, look, as somebody that has suffered a lot of head injuries in myself, I didn't get in fights in my athletic life. I got hit in the head a lot because I was a goalie. And we didn't wear big, crazy masks like the ones hanging on the wall and behind me back then. We wore a helmet and a cage. And I got hit in the head a lot because I'm short. I'm 5'8 on skates. And my head's in the danger zone a lot. And I have to wear sunglasses when it's bright because of all the concussions I've had. And I have sensitive eye and all that stuff. I don't want to see this kid go out there trying to prove himself and, and really get injured. I don't. I, I I think there's a tipping point. So just wanted to say that as well. Uh, some of the things that I've been seeing on social media and one of the things that's great about this podcast is sometimes it can be like therapy, like a therapeutic session and cathartic to talk about these things. It's why I love when, like if you're watching on YouTube, comment down below what you think. I read all of it. If you have thoughts and you're not on YouTube, you can always email me at jason.mertitis at gmail.com. Or you can shoot me a DM on Twitter. I read them all. I don't reply sometimes because I just don't get to all of them. But they're all there. And I may like grab one that's from three weeks ago and then talk about it and when it, I feel like I can get it in. Um, I love the community feel of this whole medium of on-demand content. So I'd love to get people's thoughts on all of those things that we talked about in this episode. And I would love it even more if you left a five-star rating and review. Uh, But if you came back tomorrow as well and sit down and we'll have another discussion, we'll break down Flyers Lightning. So join us then tomorrow coming up on a brand new Flyers Daily.